Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. We are continuing our whodunit theme with the film Murder on the Orient Express from 1974, starring Albert Finney, Lauren Bacall, Anthony Perkins, and Ingrid Bergman. And with me virtually is my good friend Christina, back for Whodunit Month. Oh yeah, I'm back. (laughs) So this movie, like last week's again, follows the famous Agatha Christie sleuth, Hercule Poirot, played by Albert Finney. But this time, he must solve the murder case that occurred on the Orient Express. Everyone on board instantly becomes a suspect when a wealthy billionaire is stabbed 12 times to death. Soon Poirot realizes that this was a revenge murder, and the passengers are all connected to the billionaire and his past in some way. So, Christina, what do we think of Sidney Lumet's Murder on the Orient Express? I liked it. I definitely was a little bored at the beginning. I think it was a little bit of a a schlog to get through um, at the start, but... I think that it like the wrap up was satisfying enough that it made it like worth sitting through the the bit of the boring stuff. And also I'm a big baby and so I would much rather watch a movie that is like kind of boring but like has a lot of really good dialogue and a lot of really good characters and isn't like gory or scary at all than watch a movie that like isn't boring but because it's like super gory and scary you know what I mean yeah I totally agree it's interesting because the death on the now when I found the beginning to be really slow as well I mean I like that we get to the train pretty quickly but the newspaper clippings of where is baby Armstrong was getting kind of boring honestly I like I honestly preferred the newspaper clipping intro to, I think the part where I was kind of bored was the getting on the train. Like it was the, like, first we saw like Hercule Poirot, like on the boat, like with his buddy. And Mm. then we had to see like every single person get on the train. And like, it wasn't even just that we saw every single person get on the train. They all had to like walk all the way up the train platform and like push through crowds of people. And like, yeah, yeah, I, that, that was... That was just a bit, like, my attention was wandering. I thought that, like, the newspaper clippings were, like, a cool way to open the movie, but also, like, super hard on the eyes. Like, every time they did one of those, like, big flashes to transition from, like, um, like an action sequence to, like, a still newspaper clipping, I was like, oh, God, they're doing it again. Like, oh, geez. <laughs> and it would be, like, really shaky camera angles of, like, the flashback of the kidnapping occurring, and then the newspaper clipping would be on that weird, like, backdrop of a red fabric, and it was, like, really yeah. con- contrasting. Yeah, it was, like, a hard movie on the eyeballs at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with them all getting on, because... That was so boring because at the beginning, none of the passengers are speaking, like, when they get on the train. It's all very silent. And then when Poirot comes, everyone's kind of, like, shocked and, like, um, you know, there's this drop-dead silence because they didn't expect Poirot to be on the train. And then there's, like, that couple that knock down the oranges and they don't help pick the oranges up and it's just like do I really want to see them jumping over oranges yeah well and it's also like I don't know maybe I just like wasn't paying enough attention to pick up on like the nuances of the scene but I felt like if you're gonna spend that much time showing everybody on like getting on the train like we should be getting more out of it like oh maybe this is like where we find out who they are as people or like what their characters are like And I kind of feel like we didn't. Like, we got the, like, most basic, like, sense of who these people were. And then when they were actually on the train, we got to find out more about them. So I don't know why watching all of them take, like, five minutes to get on the train was super necessary. (laughs) And see their, like, pale faces. (laughs) Yeah. I was, like, in retrospect, it's like, oh, okay, you could kind of see how it's, like, foreshadowing that they're all nervous. But, like, I don't know. Do do we need it? (laughs) I, I don't think we needed that. Also, can we just talk about how the music was in this movie? It did not fit. Like, every time there'd be the establishing shot of the train wheels turning, they would play this, like, really pretty, like, music, <laughs> which just reminded me of Maria in The Sound of Music or, like, the Sugar Plum Fairy or something. Like, it was so weird. Like, okay, he's being stabbed. Let's play some cheerful music. Like, what was uh, oh that? My- <laughs> 
Do you know what's so funny? I was thinking the same thing, and it was I think it was because the train was going through the snow. Every single time they showed a shot of the train going through the snow with the upbeat music, I was like, yeah. is this the Polar Express? Oh, my God. It did I was not fit. Like, it was like some, yeah, yeah, some weird like animation. And I'm like, how does this fit with this movie at all? And then, and I think and, like... And maybe it was, I don't know, I'm sure that there was intention behind it, but it made the times, like, when there would be spooky music, like, feel so jarring, and maybe that's how you were supposed to feel, but I don't know, it just kind of felt like there was, like, two vibes in the movie, like, there was the, like, oh, everything is happy and good, and we're on this happy little train going home, and then it was like, ooh, something bad's about to happen, watch out, (laughs) with, like, no warning, (laughs) They played really creepy music when that lady that, was that Queen Victoria, like when she was going on about stuff, and they played some really weird music, and the one that was like the godmother, I guess, and then the first time she speaks, there was this creepy like music, and I'm like, what happened to the happy sugar plum fairy music? Yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was very strange. The vibes of this movie were like not super cohesive all the way through. (laughs) Also, strange cast? Questionable? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, very interesting cast. I, like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't recognize any of the actors, like, aside from Albert Finney. And Albert Finney I did not recognize based off of looking at him. I only (laughs) knew who he was because you told me. (laughs) (laughs) Who was that guy? That wasn't Daddy Warbucks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, like, good good for him, you know. For, for being a diverse actor, but, like, man, he really did that. <laughs> so I definitely recognized Sean Connery, but then he was, like, barely in it. He was, oh, like, yeah. in two scenes of the entire movie. And then, like, I recognized Lauren Bacall, but she just, like, irritated me every time she came on screen. Um, and, yeah, we can talk about the others later, but I wanted to ask you, what did you think of Albert Finney as Poirot? I... I don't know. I really liked Albert Phineas Poirot at the end. The ending scene was like my favorite by far, like where he's piecing everything together. That's always like my favorite part of every mystery. Like it was my favorite part of Clue and it's my favorite part of this movie is like Albert Finney like as Poirot, like piecing everything together and like walking around the train car and like being all dramatic about it and then like getting the flashbacks to what actually happened. Like that was awesome. Like I, I thought he was like great in that part. And... I know that you and Hannah talked about this in the Death on the Nile movie. He had the, the mustache hairnet. <laughs> oh my god, he had the hairnet again. <laughs> he had the mustache hairnet again. <laughs> it was so weird looking in this one. Peter, you stop it, definitely pull it up better. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my god. So it was like, I liked that he was kind of silly, and I liked that he wasn't like a super serious character. Like, I thought that was fun. But also, oh man, like, why was he like that sometimes? Like, he was so loud and, like, so over the top. I said this before we started recording, but he was, like, the, like, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka version of Poirot. (laughs) It was so weird, because, like, I said in the last podcast, too, like, I'm more familiar with the PBS TV show, and I still think that David Suchet plays Poirot the best, and I definitely liked Peter Ustinov's version better than Albert Finney. I guess my worst Poirot would probably be Kenneth Branagh, like if I'm rating them all. But the thing that I didn't like about Albert Finney was like a lot of the time I couldn't understand him because his Belgian accent was awful. It was so bad. I watched the movie with subtitles because I was like, I do, I watched like the first like 10 minutes of the movie without subtitles and I was like, I do not know what is being said right now. And then I turned on subtitles. You don't understand it. (laughs) It was so bad. Also, he wasn't like quirky and weird enough. I mean, he literally picks up dogs in one scene. If you ever watch the TV show, the Poirot would never touch a dog. Like, everything would have to be... Like, the only time Poirot in this movie is fussy is when he's, like, putting cream on his hands um, the night of the murder and, like, putting, like, perfect white gloves on. That was, like... I wanted to see more of that. Mm-hmm. He also was really loud and obnoxious when he'd be, like, questioning people, especially the women. And he was, like... Yeah. Remember when he was, like, hitting that book, like, the brochure 
Uh, who was he? Yeah. Uh, who was he questioning at that time? He was talking, the one that was with Sean Connery. Yeah, he I think was, the woman. He was talking to um the the woman who was like, not that guy's wife, but who was like yeah, going to Vanessa be Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was like really intense and so not like Poirot. Yeah, and so not necessary. I found that like. Okay, this is, like, a terrible comparison to make. Forgive me, but I I recently watched four or five Adams Family movies back-to-back to write an article for the school newspaper about Adams Family movies. Um, so Wait, how many are there? There are five. I watched all five. Oh, like, all five with Angelica Houston and stuff? No, no, no. Like, there's, like, two Adams Family movies with Angelica Houston, one direct-to-VHS one, and then two ad- uh, animated movies. Oh, oh, the animated I, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched, like, every Adams Family movie that currently exists in the span of, like, a week. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, and I was, like... One of the characters that is, like, so hit or miss is Uncle Fester. I don't know how, like, familiar with Adam's family lore you are, but, like... Yeah. Some adaptations of Uncle Fester... That's Christopher Lloyd, by the way. Yes. In the yeah. 90s one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, some of them are so god-awful annoying, and it is, like, a rare Fester that isn't just, like, the most, like, loudest, like, most obnoxious, like, Uncle Fester ever. And I kind of feel like with Poirot, like... He was like, he had the same vibe as Uncle Fester, which like is really not what Poirot should be. No. I don't know. I don't think those characters should be comparable. Like, yeah, he was just like so absurdly loud and annoying. And like sometimes he was genuinely funny. But like, I feel like this movie was like, oh, people will laugh if he's loud. Like, no, that that's not comedy. <laughs> that that exactly. doesn't make him inherently funny. <laughs> How can I laugh if I don't understand what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't really know what the casting choices was around that. He was supposed to be in Death on the Nile as well, but he um, he refused it, so I'm kind of happy that he did. Oh, so Death on the Nile came after? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I guess this was one of the first Agatha Christie adaptations. Um, and then obviously they did do the remake in 2017 with Kenneth Branagh. Um, again, like really weird cast in that one. You got Johnny Depp as the victim slash. Yeah. He's a murderer too. Spoilers. <laughs> and like, just like Josh Gad is his secretary and it's just a really weird cast. Now I'm curious and I need to look it up because I want to know who else is in this movie. I, I saw it in the movie theater I couldn't focus on it because of Kenneth Branagh's mustache, which was so ridiculous <laughs> and stupid, and I just, I hated it so much. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer was, like, the mom, the one that kind of organizes the whole oh. event. Uh, yeah, there was I know Judy that that Dench. movie has, like, a pretty stacked cast. Willem Dafoe, Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah, there was, like, a lot of people. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever watch... Any version of this again? <laughs> That's fair. Two is enough. <laughs> 13 minutes into the podcast. Like, <laughs> you already know what I'm going to say. No, I just I just am not that crazy about the story and how it all comes together. Um, I do like... My favorite part of Whodunits 2 is when, you know, he gathers all the suspects around and they're all silent because that's how the world of Whodunits work and they just kind of like let the detective speak the entire time about what he thinks happened. Uh, I love those parts of Houdanitz. And this one, it did a really good job. Definitely better than the Death on the Nile version. My favorite one is still Knives Out, though. The Because it's yes, just... Okay. I could hear... Listen to Daniel Craig talk about donuts all day. I was going to say, Daniel Craig is what Hercule Poirot should be. Because I feel like Daniel Craig's like detective in Knives Out is like goofy enough that you can kind of lean into the camp of like whodunit movies and he's like a little silly and he's like a little goofy and he's like kind of stupid sometimes but overall he's like a really engaging interesting character who is like super smart and super like interesting to follow and he is like never once annoying and I feel like that's like that is who Poirot should be (laughs) 
I totally agree. And it, it just makes you enjoy the movie more and appreciate them on screen. Like, literally, I hated every scene with him in it, which isn't good because he's in every scene. Yeah, exactly. He is like, you never get a break from him and you want a break from him so badly. Yeah, and that accent. Um, I just want to quickly say how funny it is every time someone like goes up to a detective and is like someone that's fearing for their life and it's like, help me, you know, like, I feel like someone's going to kill me. And the detective always refuses them, like, refuses the pay or the money to be their bodyguard. And then they die instantly. It's like, (laughs) the detective's like, it's okay, I'll be there for you when you're dead. (laughs) Yeah. It's so weird. (laughs) Take the money. Protect this person. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's like, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, like, you could say that, like, Poirot was already getting bad vibes from him. Like, maybe... But I doubt that he already, like, knew that he was spoilers, that he was, like, Cassetti the murderer. Like, he appeared not to have found that out until later. So I don't know why he was just like, eh, I don't think so. (laughs) Like, you're probably not gonna die. (laughs) Like, what if he was an innocent person? Yeah, like, what if he was just a guy who got murdered? (laughs) I think Poirot was more interested in the dead bodies. Yeah, Poirot was like, (laughs) I think that was the other thing that I didn't like. And you kind of already talked about this with this interrogation. But like, Poirot is kind of an asshole. Like, I don't really understand why we are supposed to like him as a character. Like, I can respect him as a detective. But like, he's not likable. And I'm going to keep talking about Knives Out. But like, Daniel Craig's detective is so likable. Like, I like that guy. He's so cool and nice. Poirot sucks. I, I know he's so likable. I feel like even the bad characters in Knives Out are likable. Yeah. Like, it's just because they're so interesting and they're all well-developed. And I think if we saw again, which I said for the last movie as well, if we had some scenes of just Poirot on his own before he gets to, like, the, the murder site, that would be really interesting because we'd actually get to know his character more. But they never do this. Yeah, we don't we don't see him unless he is like talking to other people being like, whoa, like, what is this over here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um what character do you want to talk about first? Should we talk about I guess Lauren Bacall's character? Because she's kind of like the main person, right? Yeah, so she is, I'm going to pull up a cast list so that I, like, know who you're talking about, but she is, like, the one who coordinates everything. Like, she is Armstrong's mother, right? Yeah, Mrs. Armstrong's mom, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. (laughs) So, I just found her really irritating throughout this entire movie. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, all of these characters were, like, at least a little annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Like... I just, like, she'd be going on and talking, and I just would tune out instantly. Yeah. Um, Wasn't very captivating. Weird choice there. I don't know. Yeah, and I think, like, for as much as it was kind of annoying how Poirot was, like, an asshole to everybody he interrogated, especially the women, I will say, I think my favorite, and this is sad, but I think my favorite scene with Lauren Bacall in it is the one where Poirot is, like, initially um, interrogating her because... He is like, oh, like, I need you to keep your answers brief. And then every time she, like, tries to spin off into some tangent, he just, like, cuts her off, like, every time. And it's, like, it's funny. Yeah. Like, I thought that part was really funny. It, but that was, yeah, like, when her she, best she went over, <laughs> Like, when she'd go over, even at the beginning-ish of the movie where, um, I guess, her daughter was sitting with her, but we didn't know they were related yet. And then she comes over to Poirot's table and he's like I'd rather be alone right now like he's so rude yeah he's so rude she just like (laughs) starts talking to him because that's what she does she just goes over to random people's tables and obviously like when you think about it through the whole movie she was doing this to distract him if she was smart she would have like put something in Poirot's drink so he would like fall asleep during the murder which occurred Mm -hmm. and it's like why didn't anyone think of drugging Poirot maybe they only had one drug they were like we we only have one dose of one drug (laughs) (laughs) I have so many questions about the ending I just want to talk about like how racist Ingrid Bergman's character was Um, she was the Mm. 
babysitter or the nanny. Yeah. Um, oh. Greta. Yeah. Okay, times have totally changed. She won an Oscar for that no, racist No, she did scene. not. She did. <laughs> I was just looking it up. Oof. It is so gross to me. I want to just look at who she was up against and why they chose yeah, her was it like to a, get the actress in supporting role. Was it role. a weak year? <laughs> so she was up against freaking Madeline Kahn for Blazing Saddles. Oh my god, really? Um, And she didn't win. Probably should have win now when you think about it, how racist that scene was. There was also a woman named Valentina Cortez who won for, or who was nominated for Day for Night. Diane Ladd for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And Talia Shire for The Godfather Part 2. And apparently it went to Ingrid Bergman for that one racist scene. The only time she speaks. The only time she speaks where she isn't just like, God will forgive you. <laughs> god i can't believe that scene got written and like the thing that boggles the mind about it is like we were talking about this before recording also i just watched the move the the movie rear window the hitchcock movie baby's first hitchcock i loved it that movie was awesome um and you know, like it's nineteen. Such a good movie. It's so it's such a good movie, and that movie was made in like what, like nineteen fifty four. Like it didn't age super duper well, but overall it aged pretty well. Like the female characters are given like a pretty good amount of agency, especially for a movie from the fifties. And the female characters are also awesome. Like they are so cool, and like yeah, they don't say. As far as I remember, I don't remember them saying anything like super like messed up and like racist or anything. They say like a couple of little sexist things, but it's like you know, like for a movie from 1954, like it holds up pretty well. This movie came out in 1974 and is like way more racist and honestly more sexist. <laughs> I know, <laughs> 70s movies, like, go backwards in 60s movies. Like, they're more racist and sexist than the ones in the 50s. Yeah. Which is insane. I think, I f okay, this is, like, not to get, like, theoretical on the podcast, but I feel like in, like, the 50s, like, when they were making movies like Rear Window, like, the reason that they weren't as racist... Gen like, this is a generalization, but the reason that, like, a movie like Rear Window isn't very racist is because, like, there are only ever white people in the movie and, like, only ever white people get talked about. So there is, like, no one to be racist towards because it is just, like, an all-whites movie. Whereas with, like, Murder on the Orient Express, it is in this, like, weird period of time where they are trying to acknowledge that non-white people exist, but doing it in the worst way possible. <laughs> yeah, because those movies, um, like from the 50s and the 40s and stuff, they were just filmed on Hollywood sets. And then in the 70s, they started like actually filming movies on location in these like tropical you know different places besides america yeah. which means that there would be people of color in them so then they were like well let's just put this one person of color in the movie and let's be racist to them yeah exactly right yeah well it's even like <sighs> like i enjoyed the movie clue as you remember but like yeah clue has like two people of color in it and both of them get murdered and one of them is like a racist stereotype <laughs> and that movie came out in the 80s I <laughs> I know. It's so weird. I, I don't get it. I hope we've gotten a bit better. I mean, hey, nowadays. we keep talking about this movie, but like Knives Out, pretty epic. It, it was pretty <laughs> epic. I can't wait <laughs> to talk about that one. Um, so I guess after the racist Ingrid Bergman character, oh, Ingrid. we get... Sorry, I accidentally closed the tab. Oh, do you mind? Actually, can I say um, something really quickly? The thing that I, like, yeah. did not get about her character... So, yeah, I get that, like, spoilers. Her whole thing is that she, like, feels guilty, I guess, about having survived, like, little baby Daisy Armstrong's kidnapping and, like, not having been able to protect the child. And so her, like, penance is that she goes to, like, all of these... As she puts it, these are her words, not mine. She goes to, like, 
raise like little backwards brown babies, which like, ugh. but the thing that I don't oh understand is she makes this comment where she's like, yeah, I was born backwards. And so I wanted to give back and raise babies even more backwards than me. Do we ever get an explanation as to what she means by that? Like you were born, but what? Like poor? Like, are you trying to say poor? Like, what does that mean? So maybe she came out of the womb backwards. Well, yeah, I was like, are you being literal? Like, are you being figurative? Like, I don't understand what's happening here. And I totally thought that was going to be like a bigger part of her character is like her past. And like, what what do you mean? Like, you were a backwards baby too. Like, what are you talking about? And then it never got brought up again or like explained. And so the only... But she says it like five times. Yeah, she says it like a billion times and it never gets explained. And like the only feasible explanation I have for it in my head is like maybe she means backwards as in like backwater like as in poor but like I don't know that also doesn't really make sense like why would you say like why would you say I was born backwards instead of like I was born into poverty like I don't know it doesn't make any sense to me and also how you just group like poverty with little brown babies like what yeah and it's like wait so are you yeah like yeah I, I don't get it. It makes uh, no sense. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a lot of questions about Anthony Perkins' character, um, McQueen. So Anthony Perkins, I've only ever seen him, and I thought that was, like, his only movie as Norman Bates in Psycho. And then when I was watching this movie, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go on, like, this tiny tangent. Poirot's, like, guy friend in it, who I, I still don't understand who that guy was, but... I was like recognized him and I didn't know where I knew him and then it only till the end of the movie did I realize that he was also in Psycho with Anthony Perkins and like Anthony Perkins kills him in it so I thought that was kind of ironic that they were in another movie together. That's pretty funny. <laughs> anyways, I just a spoiler for Psycho, but I think people know that movie pretty well. Um anyways, very question so many questions with McQueen. Like he didn't bother me as much as the other men in this movie. He was just always had that act of like I'm like, don't know what to say. And like, I'll just start kind of pausing and I will like repeat. Like, it was really annoying. Like, stop. Well, just okay. Say what you want to say. And just so I'm like, just to make sure I'm like not confusing my characters. That was like Mr. Ratchet secretary, right? That's who we're yeah. talking about? Okay. Yeah. Again. Sorry. No, it's okay. I just wanted to be sure I was remembering correctly. The, like, I feel like all of the characters in this movie, like, I bet that I have no doubt that they were way more interesting in the book because I'm sure that they got like more time to be like fully fleshed out in the book. And also like Agatha Christie writes really good characters. Um, And like, I think that like I liked, I didn't like the characters as people, but I liked them as characters. Like overall, I thought the like cast of train people was like pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, I feel like McQueen had, like, the same issue as as Ingrid Bergman's character, where, like, there is a part, and I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have, so maybe there was an explanation in here that I just, like, was zoning out during, but when he is being interrogated, he, like, makes a comment where he, like, drops the R slur, and he's like, oh, what, you're saying I'm mentally blank, and, like, that's why I never got married? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, where did that come from? First of all. Also, why would Poirot assume that? Third of all, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, do you have a a mental disability? Like, was this established in your character? Am I missing something? Like, what are you talking about? I know the terms they just throw around in this movie. It's like, why would you even... Why? Why do you even need to say that? And he even, like, admits... At the beginning of the movie, being like, when when um, Poirot finds out that, um, that what's what is his name Cassetti? Yeah, yeah. When he finds out like Cassetti had a pseudonym name and he was like actually Cassetti, I can't remember his pseudonym name, and and he's like, oh, and he's like Anthony Perkins or whatever. McQueen is like, oh, if I knew that, I would have like cut off my left or my right hand and. So I wouldn't be able to type for him and then kill him with my right. I would murder that guy. I'm like, why are you saying this yeah. to a detective? Yeah, his character was so <laughs> weird. And like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't 
understand him. I didn't get it. And it was weird, too, because, like, yeah, when he, like, casually dropped the arsler, like, totally threw me off because I had no idea what he was talking about or why that was necessary. And, like, I don't, like, his character was definitely coded as, like, probably being neurodivergent. But again, we, like, they never actually go into that. Like, we never find out if that's, like, true or not. We never get, like, any real look into... I think, okay, I think that's what bothered me the most about the characters in this movie. I'm, like, making this connection right now. Is that, like, it was really interesting to find out how all of them were connected, spoilers, to, to Daisy Armstrong and, like, that family. But we didn't really find out about them at all outside of that. Like, we got all this explanation as to, like, how they were connected to the Armstrongs, but we didn't get, like, a ton about who they just were as people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree. And and I had questions with, with McQueen, and, like, I was a bit unclear about his connection with the Armstrong family. It just sounded like some mommy issues there. Yeah. But yeah. Like, <laughs> I was a little confused. Which he also has in Psycho. This guy obviously always has mommy issues. But, like, um, also, like, I'm assuming that this plan was organized by Lauren Bacall for, like, a very long time. But I wasn't quite clear if if he knew um, when he was became the employee for Cassetti, if he knew that he was Cassetti, if he knew that he kidnapped Daisy, um, or if he only realized this after he took the job. I mean, or was the plan already in the motions? Like, Yeah, I, I, I was also I confused know. about that because he mentions how he's been working for, like, Cassetti for, like, about a year. And so, yeah, I was also confused. I was like, okay, so was, like... Has this been, like, a revenge plot that has been, like, a year in the making? Like, did you start working for him, like, knowing who he was? Or did you not find out until later? And, yeah. like, that's why you're, like, this plan is happening now? now? Like, yeah. And, and we never got an explanation with that either because, like, when Poirot is interrogating him, he seems genuinely surprised. Like, he puts on a good show yeah. at, like, seeming genuinely surprised that, like, Ratchet is actually Cassetti. But, like... Oh, yeah, Ratchet, that's his name. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article right now. I did not just remember <laughs> that. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, like, yeah, there, I feel like there's a lot. There's, like, so many, like, loose ends that are tied up, but there's also, like, so many that are just, like, left dangling at the end of the movie. <laughs> I would have liked to see the plan a bit because it happened five years, like, the Orient Express happened five years after the awful stuff that happened to the Armstrong family. Um, but I would like to know if, like, Lauren Bacall, like, coaxed him and was like, you know, I think you should get a job with, uh, Ratchet, and, like, this is the plan, you're gonna put something in his drink, and then we're all gonna get on a train, like, I mean, like, how was Yeah, no, plan? I totally agree. Or if it, it would just happen where, like, she got in contact with McQueen, and he was like, guess what, I'm working for the guy that kidnapped and Armstrong, she's like, oh my god, here's an opportunity, we can all, like, take a stab. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree, because, like, yeah, I feel like, again, like, it was very cool, like, seeing the plan, like, being put in motion, like, when we get the flashback, and, like, it was, like, definitely, like, a good, like, twist ending. I did not see it coming. Um, it was a nice surprise. Um, but, yeah, I wish that we'd gotten, I wish that we'd gotten to see how the plan got put into motion, because, like, how the hell did these, like, 12 people like, connect with each other and figure out that they all have this vendetta against Cassetti and, like, how did they meet and how long have they been working on this? Like, yeah, I, I wish that yeah. we'd gotten more of, like, of, yeah, of the planning and of the, like, preparations for the murder. I think that would have been, like, a cool scene to have. Yeah, I think so, too. I like whodunits when, like... Don't get me wrong, I, I like the size of this one. It wasn't too bad, like, the 12 people, but it's almost like they should have just had eight and then their their connections to the Armstrong family more, like, be more interesting. Yeah. Like, you obviously have, like, Lauren McCall's character and, like, the nanny's fine, just don't make her racist. And then you got, like, oh. Lauren McCall's daughter, who's the sister, because obviously she'd want revenge because her, her sister and her niece were killed. Yeah. Um, so that I I understand... But why do we need all the other people? Like, why do we need Sean Connery, who, like, fought in the army with 
Mr. Yeah. Armstrong. Like, yeah. really, he's going to stab somebody because, sorry, but he's going to stab somebody because he was in the army with this guy that he really liked and he died. So he's going to, like, get revenge on him. Like, how much bonding was there in the army? Yeah, some of, <laughs> some of the connections seemed a little... A little loose. I, I definitely... Yeah, and well, I'm like, wasn't one of them... Okay, again, I might be wrong. I... Because one of the, the people who assists with the murder is the butler. Ooh, the butler did it. Like, one of them yeah. is the butler guy. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, the reason that he has a vendetta against Cassetti is because, like, one of his fellow butlers or, like, butler trainees was, like, the manservant who got, like, killed Hit during the, the kidnapping. Over. And it's, like... Yeah. You know, obviously, that would be very sad and, like, good for you for, for caring so much about that person you worked with that you felt the need to take revenge. But, like, that, I don't know. It just, like, it seems like a pretty extreme reaction for, like... Like, <laughs> I love... My coworker friends who I worked with while I was at Indigo Books, I loved them a lot. But like, <laughs> would you would murder I, someone? Yeah, for like that? if would I murder somebody who killed one of them? Probably not. Like I love you guys, but that seems a little extreme. <laughs> That's literally the whole concept of promising young woman in it. <laughs> Except it was her best friend. <laughs> Yeah, I just, like, I don't know. It seems like such... Well, and especially for, like, such an old dude who, like... It's not even like this was, like... I don't know. It wasn't like this was, like, oh, like, my best friend in business who I have worked with for decades. Like, no, this was, like, some young guy <laughs> who he was, like, training up to be a butler who he probably didn't know for more than, like, a few years. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like a, a pretty big grudge to hold. I gotta be honest, there were two guys that took a stab at, at uh, Cassetti, and I don't even know who they were. Like, they just popped up all of a sudden, and I was like, wait, who are you? I totally kept forgetting the butler existed. Every time he showed up, I was like, oh yeah, you are a character in this movie, huh? There was, like, a guy with a thinner mustache. I remember him and because then there was he was another Italian. Guy. Oh, Okay. And I was like, I don't even remember your connection to the Armstrong okay. family. Yeah, I like, I, I remember the Italian because he was Italian and he was exactly like every <laughs> single male relative I have on my mom's side of the family. Like that is what they are all like. Um, so I like, but I, yeah, I could not tell you his connection to the Armstrongs. No idea. No, no recollection of that whatsoever. He just wanted to be included. Yeah, he was just, like, there for fun. No, I need to... Hold on. I need to go back to the Wikipedia plot summary because I do not remember. There was another guy, too, but, like, I don't know what he looks like, so I, I don't know what his name was. There was also someone else, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess you're in for the party, too. And they all fit in that tiny, like, compartment of his room. Yeah. <laughs> um... There was something you said, and I was going to add to it. Oh, shoot. Um, yeah, like, the motives around why they're killing this guy, like, I get it. He's an awful person. Also, never really clear on why he kidnapped Daisy. Was it just for money, ransom money? Yeah, I think, I think that it was just because, like, yeah, the Armstrongs were rich, and so he probably was like, oh, well, if I kidnap her, like, I can get a lot of money out of it. Because they did right, end up, yeah, because they did end up, like, paying the ransom, and then he killed her. So, yeah, ee. And then someone else went to jail and got executed for that, and he got away? Yeah, hold on, I'm, like, reading the plot summary right now, because I need to, I need to, I need to remember. <laughs> I'm so bad at I this. I literally <laughs> watched this movie, like, last night, and so much of it has already escaped my brain. Same. Okay, so... Yeah, the Countess is Mrs. Armstrong's sister. The Armstrong's secretary. Okay, Mary Debenham it was Armstrong's secretary. The, oh, 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 wait, maybe I was confused. Maybe there was more of a connection than I thought. I think that the butler was... 
Okay, was so the the butler for for Cassetti was Armstrong's butler. Yeah. Oh. And then there was Daisy's the yeah the the nur- the nursemaid. The colonel was a close army friend of Mr. Armstrong's. Sure. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. The Italian was the family chauffeur. I'm sorry, but if I was working what? as a minimum wage chauffeur and the family who I drove around because they were too lazy to drive themselves got had their child killed, I'd feel bad for them. Not bad enough to commit murder myself. On their behalf. On their behalf. And risk going to jail and get executed. Who's their chauffeur? Damn, these people are all like... They're loyal. I'll give them there that. Was one, um, there was one other guy too, but like I don't remember now if it shows on Wikipedia. Okay, so there was so then there was there was the guy who worked on the train who greeted all of them, who was the father of yeah. the like servant who jumped out the window. Um, right, exactly. And then the little like the little guy who we don't see like at all until he is being interrogated like i yeah okay when the italian and the little guy Back showed up, up i did not know that they were characters in this movie until they showed up to be interrogated yes, i was like where same. did you people come from how are there more of you <laughs> they never were even on the train yeah they just popped yeah, out in like, the snowstorm where, where what <laughs> but yeah. yeah that guy i don't know why he okay, did that guy i did remember and i'm looking it up to confirm that i was right he was in love with paulette <laughs> the daughter of the train guy who, like, jumped out the window. Um, oh. And then, yeah, Linda Arden. Uh, oh, he's really yeah. moving on from that relationship healthy. Yep, yeah. Healthily. Well, and it's, and it's also, like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, like, Cassetti ruined a lot of people's lives, and Poirot likes to, he says this multiple times in the movie, that Cassetti didn't just murder Daisy, like, she was responsible for five murders, or he was responsible for five mm-hmm. murders, because there was, like, the baby, Mrs. The baby, Armstrong. The, so Mrs., Mrs. Armstrong died in childbirth Yeah. Um, after Daisy, and then the baby was stillborn, and then there was the maid, who was the conductor's daughter. Yeah, and then there was the... And then there was Mr. Armstrong. Now, he killed himself, correct? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think he killed himself. Well, so really, sh- I feel like he should be saying six murders because there was also the the manservant who got like beat over the head. Um, yeah, and then there was one other person. Um, oh my god, this is <laughs> like, so bad. So it's like okay, who was the fifth person? Oh wait, so no, confused. we already have like we have six people. This is the thing I'm confused about is because there's like oh, yeah. Daisy the baby. Oh, yeah. There's the Daisy's mom and the, the stillborn yeah. baby, the woman who jumped out the window, the manservant, Ms. and Mr. Mr. Armstrong. Armstrong. Like that's six. That's not five. Right. So I don't know where five murders keeps coming up. Anyway. <laughs> they don't even remember. <laughs> yeah. So like and it's like okay, like I get it. Like I understand being like, oh, like Cassetti didn't just murder the child. Like he was responsible for all these people dying. But it's also like I don't know, man. This movie is set in, like, with, let me double check. This movie is set in the 1930s. 1935. Like, was it really directly Cassetti's fault that, like, Mrs. Armstrong died in childbirth, or was it just because healthcare in the 1930s wasn't good? Like, I don't know. Like, it just feels like there's some leaps being made. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, Cassetti, also, how did, could she have another child after her daughter just got killed? Yeah, she, yeah, it just, like... Like, did Cassetti deserve to be murdered? Absolutely. Was my favorite scene in the movie watching all of them stab him? Absolutely. But I just yeah, and feel that like bad crunch sound. The like. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just feel like for like this many people to hold like such strong grudges, like a strong enough grudge that they were all willing to collaborate to kill someone. It's just like damn. Like, you really did that. You really felt that was necessary. <laughs> I love that no blood even, like, splattered on them. They just... It was fine. It was all good. Just a little... Like, they didn't even have to go far in once you got to, like, the end. Yeah. Of, like, if you were 10 or 11. You just, like... <laughs> yeah, they were just, like... <laughs> it was just for show at that point. Uh, <laughs> you weren't killing him anymore. You were just giving him a little stab for fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to be part of this too. <laughs> yeah, then there was like the creepy godmother who I kept thinking was literally Queen Victoria. Oh yeah, it took me way too long to figure out like what her deal was as royalty. I was like... She was what? frightening. She was terrifying. I feel, oh my God. I feel like I can see why Judy Dench would have been cast as her in the newer movie. And I feel like if I ever do watch the newer movie, Judy Dench in that role will be my favorite part. But, like, yeah, she was scary. She was so scary. The most terrifying part of her, besides her, like, creepy, quivering lip, was the fact that she put, like, white makeup on her face. Yeah. Because, obviously, she was, like, sad about her, like, husband dying. Literally, Queen Victoria. But then her neck was, like, the color of her skin. Yeah. It was so yeah. weird. Like, her just, like, like pa- piece of paper, white face. <laughs> weird. <laughs> And, like, the hat she wore, like, at the end, she was literally, she looked like a bird. Like, she I was going to say, I do not feathers. know what was up with that headpiece, but it was not it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the, the people, I still don't know who the guy was that Poirot was friends with. Why was he never questioned? He could have taken a stab, too. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that, like, the doctor, who just so happened to be on the train... And who didn't have anything to do except be like, ooh, I think that this is human blood on the knife. Um, <laughs> don't know why he was like that. Also, I don't know why he was like a comic book, like mad scientist. Yeah. yeah. Every time he spoke, he was always he reminded like. reminded me of like Stanley Tucci and Captain America. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, that's it. Exactly. I was going to say you reminded me of Stanley Tucci. <laughs> um yeah there was just some and then there was just like you know the sister's husband and she he like helps her take the stab and like it's like wow you've come into a weird you married into a weird family okay yeah the fact that that guy like had zero like personal connections technically to like any of the murders but was just like, yeah, I'm a supportive husband. I help my wife commit murder. Like, damn, he was really just, yeah, he he was just there for her. <laughs> yeah, I think we covered, did we go through all of those weird characters? I think so. I mean, like, God, there's so yeah. many. Oh, yeah, can I, can I really quickly say the other thing I didn't understand, and maybe this is because, like, it, this was set in the 1930s, so, like, I don't know how the army worked in the 1930s. I don't know how the army works now, but... The, the, okay, wait, hold on. I'm looking, I'm looking at the character list again. Colonel, the Colonel, played by Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery. Who was in a relationship with, uh, with the, the curly red Vanessa Redgrave. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mary Debenham. He, his whole thing with her was that they like couldn't, he couldn't, divorce his wife because he would be true though no that was true i'm just saying why would the army fire you if you got a divorce like what was that real did that happen maybe they were all like catholic or something probably i was just like i don't know yeah no that whole and i understand like why I understand why that bit was there because that was meant to be another red herring where you thought like, oh, those two are complicit in the murder, but it turns out that they were just actually waiting to get married. But it turns out they were complicit in the murder. Whoa. Um, So like, I understand like why that dynamic of their like relationship existed. I just didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't understand his whole thing with his like soon to be ex-wife. I I was confused. So like when... (laughs) When they were talking at the beginning, like, Poirot, like, shuffles in sneezing because he's, like, an eavesdropper. Um, <laughs> when they were, like, talking and they were, like, okay, let's talk when, like, the deed is over. Are you telling me that they weren't actually talking about the murder? Yeah, <laughs> because they were also involved with the murders. So, like, they also definitely yeah. could have just been talking about that. It just, I, there's, I have so many questions. Also, we didn't talk about the cook, but she was also scary. Um, she was like the maid for Queen Victoria. <laughs> oh yeah, she was cool. I mean, yeah, I kind of liked her. Honestly, I kind of found her to be the least annoying character. Yeah. Because she was like, she was intense, but she wasn't annoying. She was the most, you know, no. like I, 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 she was cool. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. Well, I have some fun facts because this movie was so fun to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Apparently, Agatha Christie, who was 84 at the time, attended the movie premiere in November 1974. um, And it was the only movie adaption while she was alive that she actually liked. Um, Okay. I mean, well, I hey, I don't blame Sorry. her. I mean, there were definitely parts of this movie I enjoyed. It was definitely better than the And Then There Weren't on adaptation. So, like, we, you know, we went up. That is true. <laughs> um, that was her final public appearance. She died about a year later. Um, so, that's cool. <laughs> and the story she based it off of was actually a kidnapping that occurred in 1932 um, when Charles A. Lindbergh... Um, his baby was taken, Charles Lindbergh Jr. Um, yeah. Oh, Sorry. I, no, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was based off of a real kidnapping. That's sad. Yeah, so this movie made, um, $35.7 million, and its budget was $1.4 million, so it did oh, really wow. well. Yeah, it did really well. And like I said... It had a total of six Oscar nominations. It only won one questionable one <laughs> for Best Supporting Actress for Bergman. Oh, I didn't know that was the um, only Oscar it won. That's worse. That's somehow worse. <laughs> That's even worse. Um, here's the biggest shock of this whole Oscar nomination list. Uh-oh. It was nominated for Best Music. <laughs> no, it was not. No, you're joking. No, I wish I was joking. <laughs> Thankfully, it lost to The Godfather Part Two. I I don't I don't know what they were like smoking in 1975. Damn. But uh, I mean, I guess like the songs I... completely removed from the movie were good songs. I they just... just didn't fit at all. Exactly. <laughs> um. So like, I'm yeah, just I guess. At what else it was. Up Against Chinatown, um, Shanks, and The Towering Inferno. I'll just pretend I know those movies. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I like, I've definitely are. heard of them. Couldn't tell you anything about them, but I know they exist. <laughs> Chinatown sounds familiar, but I don't know. Um, apparently, Albert Finney also was nominated for Best Actor somehow. Wow. Go for him. <laughs> You're telling I still me think his best role is Daddy Warbucks. I was going to say, you're but... telling me he was nominated for this and not Daddy Warbucks, but he totally might have been nominated for Daddy Warbucks. I, I, I should I don't fact think he check was nominated that. For Daddy he friggin' should have been. I'm checking right now. <laughs> was that like 1983? I'm going to look. Maybe. He was not nominated. Oscars? Oh, that's no. sad. Well, Dustin Hoffman was and Jack Lemon though. I like them. So that's good. Well, you know what? Him as Daddy Warbucks is the best Daddy Warbucks to date. That's no competition, so. As someone that's never seen another one of Albert Finney's roles besides <laughs> this one now, I still think Daddy Warbucks is his best role. Oh, yeah, easily. He's so, his Daddy Warbucks is so quotable. The scene where he, like, is talking about, like, hanging the friggin' Mona Lisa in his bathroom because he, like, can't decide if he likes the painting or not. And then Annie's like, you could hang me in the bathroom. Like, that scene's so good. He's so good in that movie. (laughs) He's really good in that movie. I'm glad it didn't go to, like... Who did we say was gonna go to, like, Cary Grant? Yeah. Oh, my God. I think so. Cursed. Um, so... He was up against, like, back to, like, the best actor category of 1975. He was up against Dustin Hoffman, Jack Nicholson, and Al Pacino. Oh, wow. And then Art Carney, Art Carney won, because I know who that is. Out of all those people whose names are, like, so big, Art Carney wins for Harry and Tonto. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Questionable Oscar season. Isn't that every year, though? I mean, yeah, I'm Shape honestly, of Water won. It's always a questionable <laughs> Oscar season. Um, okay, so it also got nominated for Best Screenplay. It lost to The Godfather Part Two. Hmm, interesting. 
Um, it was also up against Young Frankenstein. Sorry, that should have won. Young Frankenstein's so good. That movie's so good. That should have won. <laughs> um, it was also up against Young Frankenstein, Lenny, The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, and The Godfather Part Two, which won. Okay, it also got nominated for Best Cinematography. It lost for to The Towering Inferno, which I feel like I just talked about. I don't know what that is. You know what? I feel like I should look it up. You know what? Okay. I, I, I think that it deserved a Best Cinematography nomination. I don't know if it deserved to, like, win or lose, but I think it deserved the nomination. The scenes with, like, yeah. the, the flashbacks and with the murder, like, it was it was a well-shot movie. It was, it was nice to look at, aside from the absolutely wretched opening. <laughs> it also, the last nomination I got was Best Costume Design, which is, like, meh. Yeah. Like, I could kind of see that. Okay. Meh. Sure. <laughs> I mean, the sisters' outfits were nice, I guess. Yeah, but, like... Maybe. The, yeah, the, um... All of the, like, young women, except for Ingrid, looked, like, awesome. Um, and Poirot's costume was, like, silly, like, appropriately silly. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The I can't get over the princess's bird feather thing that she wore at the end. That was... Oh, my God. You mean Queen Victoria? Yeah, Queen Victoria. <laughs> that was awful. That was terrible. <laughs> Oh my god, how long did it take to put that weird cake makeup on her face? Yeah, damn. <laughs> um, so the costume design lost to The Great Gatsby. Oh, well, yeah, duh. Something, <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. A book I kind of find overrated. <laughs> I agree, but the aesthetic the is nice, so, you know. <laughs> okay, so did Murder on the Orient Express move you or not? Um, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> I, <laughs> there were definitely parts of it that I enjoyed and I can see why, like, I feel like this movie is like pretty well known as like one of the better Agatha Christie adaptations. And I can see why, like, it was like pretty enjoyable to watch for the most part. And like the ending was awesome. And I loved the the scene where they were unraveling the mystery and like, showing how it all happened. I think the scene where they were all stabbing him was, like, supremely funny, um, and I loved it. And so, like, there were definitely parts of it that I enjoyed watching. Um, and, I mean, I liked the story. Like, I love Agatha Christie just in general. I just, yeah, there were, there were, a, lot of, there were a lot of things that just never got explained and a lot, of, a lot of characters that really shouldn't have been involved. And it was, it was simultaneously, yeah. like boring and yet too much was happening you know what I mean like how yeah. was the move like there were so many characters that we could have spent more time with or like gotten to know better and instead we didn't do any of that and this movie was somehow still boring despite having like 15 characters I I totally agree it did it did not move me either whoa <laughs> big surprise whoa um <laughs> a rare one no I just like and I think this is the problem why people don't make whodunits that often because they're really hard to make. Um, it takes like not only a good story, but a good cast, a good like characters and people stay away from not making them. And it's sad because I enjoy whodunits if they're done well, like Knives Out. And it's just a, such a rare genre that people don't like to touch it because it is really complicated and usually very convoluted. And I feel like they don't have to make it so convoluted. Like, we don't need 15 characters. Like, just give me, like, eight, and it's fine. And yeah. let me get to know them. And, like, take out Queen Victoria and, like, the military guy and, like, other people. Yeah. The Italian. I, I don't yeah. understand. Um, I feel like they could have gotten someone else to play Poirot. No offense to Albert Finney, but he just kind of creeped me out. <laughs> Yeah, he was not he was not at his at his top game here. It was yeah. I didn't I didn't love it. There were some times where I liked him as as Poirot, yeah. but mostly I was just like, Why are you so loud? And like the only thing that kind of redeemed itself for this movie for me personally was the ending. Not only because it was almost over, but because I love that part of like the whodunits where you like find out who did it and he goes on like this tangent and you see like the flashbacks of the murder that night. That was really well done. Um, I really like them sitting all around the train. 
yeah, it could have been better. Yeah. And the remake, yeah. I'm trying to think, like, I haven't seen the remake since, like, whenever it came out. I think I went to see it in grade 12. I think they both were bad <laughs> to me. <laughs> 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 Kenneth Branagh, you didn't do much better of a job directing or starring as Poro, so <laughs> there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I will, like, out of morbid curiosity, watch the new one at some point, but I'm certainly not in a rush. <laughs> Maybe I'll, like, wait to see how this whole army thing plays out, <laughs> which won't be, <laughs> what, very good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, well, thank you, Christina, for coming back on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode and would like to recommend another whodunit film or a different film that you think we should do, you can email me at emmareviewsmovies at gmail.com. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. Thank you for listening. <laughs>